Hello and welcome to the AMBOSS podcast, Beyond the Textbook. Every two weeks, experts from AMBOSS, the medical education platform, interview medical students and healthcare professionals to showcase international perspectives on everything in medical school and beyond the textbook. Hello, I'm your host, AMBOSS Partnerships Manager, Dr. Tanner Schrank. This week's episode is part one of two. Today, our guest is Shiv Gaglani, co-founder and CEO of the health education platform Osmosis.org. Osmosis is one of the leading online medical education platforms, specializing in animated videos with easy-to-follow narration. Their focus is on improving healthcare through better training of students, professionals, and even patients and their families. Osmosis was recently acquired by the publisher El Sevier, which should help in their goal of educating a billion people by 2025. Today, the Osmosis CEO sat down with us to talk about education, business, and the future of healthcare. Shiv, it's great to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on, Tanner. So I'm sure our listeners are familiar with your health and medical education platform, Osmosis. You co-founded it in 2016, is that right? Yeah, so officially went full-time on it in 2016, but started working on it when I was a medical student at Johns Hopkins with my co-founder, Ryan, back in like 2012. Right. And since then, your animated teaching videos have reached medical students all around the world. You've partnered with over 150 schools to improve education. You launched your own podcast, the Raise the Line podcast, and recently Osmosis was acquired by Elsevier. Yeah, yeah. It's put that way. It feels like we've been pretty busy. But one of my favorite quotes is that you overestimate what you can accomplish in one year and underestimate what you can accomplish in 10. Yeah. Uh, we left med school to start this thing, had no idea how big it would get. But well, actually, we thought it would get really big in a year and then it didn't. <laughs> but then 10 years later, it's like much bigger than we could have imagined. Right. Yeah. So that's quite the journey. What milestones do you think stuck out the most for you? Yeah, so most of the milestones we celebrate internally relate to our big, hairy, audacious goal, which is educating a billion people by 2025, as you said. And our videos so far have been viewed well over a quarter billion times, probably around 350 million times. Wow. And a lot of these people who are consuming our content are not just medical students, obviously. That's what we started with, 120 classmates of ours at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. But they're nursing, PA, pharmacy, dental and then people in practice, people who are pre-med, we have several high schools that use osmosis for their anatomy and biology education. And then closest to my heart are patients. So the milestones that stick out really relate to how many people we've reached, how many schools we've partnered with, the impact we're having. And then other milestones are team retreats. You know, we've mm -hmm. been a distributed team since the beginning, well before COVID. And wherever we've brought our team together around like a major medical conference, and then we spend an extra week in that city and do this team retreat and build our culture those things are some of the things I'm most proud of and most fondly remember, especially because many of the people who were there before osmosis was as big as, as it is when we had 50,000 YouTube subscribers versus two and a half million, which right. we just crossed. All those people are still with us. They've grown in their careers. They now lead teams. And many of them have been recruited or been tried to be recruited from several other tech companies like right. Facebook and Spotify, but they still stay with us. So that's a big kind of milestone for us. Yeah, that's huge. And I would say Osmosis has helped build trust in science. It's helped innovate digital health and improve the quality of global healthcare. But these are really lofty aspirations for any company. Osmosis is on the smaller end of number of employees. But from your humble beginnings as a startup when you're a med student to getting acquired by a publishing powerhouse, how did you stay true to these values along the way? Were these team retreats a huge part of that? 
Definitely. I mean, we really invested a lot in our culture. You know, there are two books I highly recommend for anyone interested in culture. One is Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea, who unfortunately passed away last year, but he was the co-founder and CEO of Zappos, which was well known to be a wonderful culture for many years. And he has many quotable quotes to figure out what your company values are. Look at the people who work at the company, you know, back to 5, 10, 15 people and see what their personal values are. Because it's ultimately why you all stick together, because you like to work hard, play hard, because you have each other's backs, you're reliable, because you're humble and approachable, you open your arms, as we say at Osmosis. So we went through this process of defining our culture, largely driven by that. The second book is Ben Horowitz of Andreessen Horowitz. He's written wonderful books, including The Hard Thing About Hard Things. But his other book is What You Do Is Who You Are, Defining Culture. And so I would say those two books were really influential in how we were able to establish it. But then as a remote company, as a distributed company, we can't just have words on a Slack channel or on a Google Doc. We have to live it. And so finding ways to build that into everything we do from team retreats to weekly team meetings to giving out spontaneous shout outs and awards to teammates for that culture. And that's really been the secret, I think. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense. Osmosis was just awarded a couple comparably awards, best CEO, best company culture for diversity, for women. These have to play into that, right? Building on these core values and then making it a welcoming and really diverse culture. Absolutely. It helps us recruit the right people. You know, work is more fun if you like the people you're working with. So this resonates with them. And that just makes our experience for the existing team much better when we bring on people like that. Not just fit them into the culture, because obviously a new person joining should shape the culture too. And it's not a static thing. You don't just set the culture and forget it. It's constantly evolving. The second thing with that, though, is Elsevier. You know, we're really happy to have joined them because they have a really strong culture. And we have many shared principles that we independently came to. And obviously, they've been around a lot longer than Osmosis. They've been around 140 years. And so that staying power and the fact that their CEO, Kumsal, Bayezid, has really led by example and transformed that culture too over the last few years was a big reason we decided to join them. That's great that you could find a partner that really aligned on those values. So in the past, you've mentioned that the global healthcare workforce will need 35 million more health professionals by 2030. Yeah, that's the estimate from the WHO. Okay. And in the book, The Long Fix, Dr. Vivian Lee says the current American healthcare system is bad for patients, bad for doctors, and bad for business. Now, how do you think the osmosis ideas of raising the line and flattening the curve fit into these ideas, increasing the workforce and improving the healthcare system? Yeah, no, thanks for doing all that research. I really appreciate (laughs) being on podcasts where the host like knows a lot about you and your background in the company. (laughs) So, and we actually had Dr. Lee on our podcast too, when she just come out with the book very good book about how we could fix the U.S. healthcare system with lessons for obviously other health systems. So obviously you remember the term flatten the curve. It was everywhere at the beginning of the pandemic. And that was the whole concept of let's get people to socially distance, to get vaccinated, to mask, et cetera, so that we don't have spikes in caseload and overwhelm the health system, which obviously happened several times. The other concept was raising the line, which, you know, is the name of our podcast. Mm -hmm. And how do we strengthen the healthcare system? And that includes the innovations that we're all familiar with, telehealth, that includes changing the model. And then for AMBOSS and Osmosis, training the next generation of healthcare professionals, as well as equipping existing healthcare professionals with the best education. So certainly that's a core to our mission and vision. We're all involved in training and reducing the knowledge gaps, mm-hmm. because especially that's going to be important with scope of practice. One of the reasons AMBOSS and Osmosis are very friendly is because we focus much more on the overall health system. So we have nutritionists and PTs and PAs, and AMBOSS obviously goes very deep and has a best-in-class offering, too, for 
clinical decision support as well for practicing clinicians. And so there's complementary skill sets there and desires to improve the health system. The other piece I would say, again, going back to the big hairy issues goal osmosis has to educate a billion people by 2025, is that the more we can engage patients in their own health, the less we'll need to have specialists taking care of them 30 years after they've basically lived a life where they had developed these preventable diseases, chronic conditions. Mm -hmm. And so I often say we'll never have enough endocrinologists in the world to treat all the people with diabetes. We just won't. We'll have more nutritionists, we'll have more NPs. So we'll be able to mitigate the effects that we don't have enough endocrinologists. Mm -hmm. But the more we can get people early on avoiding processed foods and sugars, taking care of their metabolisms, the less endocrinologists we'll need. So that's really core to osmosis's mission. And again, another reason we joined Elsevier is because they already have a huge team dedicated to working with health systems and governments to educate patients. And we're plugging into that team as well. Yeah, that makes it a lot easier to improve health literacy at scale. And then the other part is training health professionals, but not only that, doing it more efficiently and at scale. It's all of those things combined. Totally. Yeah. And that's, again, the beauty of platforms like Amboss and Osmosis is that the marginal cost of having another incremental learner on the platform is very low. So that's where we can scale. And I know both Amboss and Osmosis do a lot for global health education. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of free access drives in Africa and Asia and other places where maybe they won't be able to afford it, like in Germany or the U.S. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then if you look into the history of Osmosis, if you look at how it started, it was looking at these problems within the health education system and reducing this waste, training these physicians faster, basically making a platform where students can watch lectures at two times speed and not have to make that themselves. But another part of this is the competency versus time-based education. I think Sal Khan at Khan Academy made it really popular, this concept of flipping the classroom and this antiquated system where we have one lecturer who's there for an hour, K-12 teacher or a med school professor, whoever it may be. And why are there 20, 40, 50 people all in the same classroom who all come in with different competencies and they're all stuck there for an hour relearning or learning for the first time the content? So Mm -hmm. the example I provide is my co-founder, Ryan, had a PhD in neuroscience going into Johns Hopkins. He could have taught the neuroscience course, given all that he knew. But he was in there for six weeks, just like the rest of us. And so he, in an ideal competency-based framework, would have taken that six-week course, maybe done one week of a review in med school, and then spent the other five weeks either accelerating how long it took him to become a clinician, so reducing that overall time for training, or investing more time in other areas that he's weaker on. Same for everyone else who's come in with different skill sets. And competencies. There are big structural issues and accreditation issues to be able to get to that framework. But what we're seeing is really innovative programs like the New York University, one of our partners, has really done a lot to shorten the length of med school training mm-hmm. and fill in the gaps where if someone doesn't want to graduate in three years in the US, but you know maybe they still want to do four years or five years, their curriculum still only takes three years or less, but it gives them space to then do a master's in public health or do additional research or whatever they want to do. And I think that freedom that comes from being more efficient can really improve not only that individual's career, but in aggregate, the healthcare workforce. Yeah, I think that's really important point. And then the other benefit of partnering with NYU and Kaiser Permanente is that they're tackling equity problems, right, by having no med school tuition. So I think that's really good to focus in on a place that can really make a difference and then going all in and partnering with them. Totally. Yeah, they're really trailblazers in that. Exactly. 
To dive a little more deeply into the nuts and bolts of osmosis, let's talk about how it works a little bit for those who are curious or don't know. So at Stanford, there's a behavioral scientist named Dr. B.J. Fogg, and he created a model talking about behavioral functions. And basically, you need a motivation, an ability, and a prompt to make any behavior happen. So how does osmosis make use of this to help students turn learning into a habit? Yeah, no, totally. So BJ Fogg, we've had him on the podcast here with this great book called Tiny Habits, which I highly recommend. Also Atomic Habits by James Clear is a well-known book in this space. And he created the Fogg Behavior Model, which is one of like several principles we've built into the Osmosis platform and our pedagogy. For that particular one, you know, one of the core realizations is that people have a finite amount of willpower or motivation, right? Some people can brute force it, but you generally don't want to design a behavior or a habit that's fully based on someone's just superhuman willpower and motivation. Right. I mean, you, you're a physician, you know this, that our classmates are type A people, maybe type double A people, yeah. and have a lot of motivation and willpower, and they can brute force a lot of things. But at the end of a long day, especially if you've had a bad experience in the clinic or something, sitting down and taking the time to study, it's probably the bottom of your list. In fact, you probably just want to watch the latest episodes of Stranger Things, right. which are wonderful, by the way. I'm binging that now. And eat haagen or something, <laughs> right? And so your motivation is really low. And so he says, don't design your tool, your app, or your product or service based on motivation. Let's focus on ability and prompt. Everyone knows prompts. In fact, we maybe get too many prompts. We get those red button notifications on our phone for Mm -hmm. apps. Obviously, Osmosis, early on when we started it, we were the first company in medical education that released a mobile app that sent push notification questions. Mm -hmm. So that's what got us from 120 Hopkins users to 5,000 in the US was releasing this mobile app that was innovative and that it sent space repetition type questions in the stem of the push notification. Mm-hmm. And so that was the prompt to go back into study. And instead of giving people a hundred questions to do, it was like, here's your two questions for today. So yeah. making it very low and that's low lift. That's why it's called a tiny habit. And then the ability is obviously now it's in your pocket, which again, a decade ago when we first started doing this, it was pretty innovative for medical education, yeah. but then also kind of taking the cognitive load of training off of the learner and into the platform. So very specific example is applying some intelligence to it. So say today you're a Hopkins med student, you're learning about cystic fibrosis. Tomorrow, the push notification question you're getting on your phone is about cystic fibrosis, Mm -hmm. right? So instead of you having to sit down and make a filter and find the pulmonary concepts and find the cystic fibrosis questions, it's sort of like magic where we knew what you were learning based on your curriculum, based on documents that were uploaded. And then the next day you're getting pushed notifications. And if you get it right, you don't see it for another week. If you get it wrong, you see it the next day, which is just traditional space wrap. That's just one example of how we applied like this proven evidence-based technique of the fog behavior model to hopefully improve and change the learning behaviors of our, our audience. Yeah, I think that's huge. And then you know that it's based on evidence and science. And so it's not just a list of questions that somebody wrote. These are actually personalized for you tested by physicians and designed for all kinds of healthcare learners and then professionals. Totally. Yeah, exactly. So as I've noticed in this interview and in your other interviews, you always seem to have a book recommendation. If you had to recommend one book to every medical student, every practicing physician, what do you think it would be? This is a really hard question. And also, this is one reason Siebert and I became friends. He's obviously a very avid reader as well. And he recommended to me William Irvine's book, The Guide to the Good Life on Stoicism, which was tremendous. I highly recommend that as well. I was big into the Ryan Holiday books on Stoicism, Obstacle is the Way, Courage is Calling. 
I love Stoicism as a philosophy. Nicholas Nassim Taleb is another author who wrote The Black Swan and Antifragile and a number of other books. He calls Stoicism Buddhism with an attitude. <laughs> it's more like applied philosophy. So I would recommend everyone, not just practicing providers or future healthcare providers, to read some of the Stoic philosophies. You're going to get setbacks. I mean, you may not get the residency you wanted. Patients will die in front of you. I mean, that's inevitable. People you love will pass away or have sicknesses that come their way. And without necessarily having to believe in the book of Job or some of these other religious things that have lost a lot of influence over the last couple of centuries, Stoicism is getting into this revitalization. And if you can find a way to maintain your equanimity, mm -hmm. both from the ups and the downs as you go through your training and your career, the better. The other book, obviously, and we're friends with Jim Dahl at the White Coat Investor. So very clear, practical advice for significant financial impact that choosing this path will take on you. People need to have their financial health in order, just like they have their spiritual and physical and emotional health in order. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Excellent recommendations. So Shiv, thank you very much for coming on the show with us today and for sharing your experiences and your advice. It'll definitely help our listeners be better students and doctors and patients, I think. Tanner, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. And to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the AMBOSS International Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for the conclusion of this interview with Osmosis CEO Shiv Gaglani. So in today's episode, we discussed the journey Osmosis and its founders took to go from startup to acquisition. We covered problems and solutions in the American and global healthcare systems. The links in the description can give you a more in-depth understanding of these concepts. If you like this episode, please give us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. You can check out the AMBOSS platform for your medical studies and sign up for a free five-day trial at amboss.com.